What follows is message one of two of the Fall College Outing, recorded on November 22nd, 2014 in Austin, Texas. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, say that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, you know, uh, it is a rare thing to be gathered together on Saturday afternoon all together here. Um, how about we just release our spirit and praise the Lord? Okay, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, now really try to say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord! I mean, brothers and sisters, come on now. Come on, come on now. Come on. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, big gatherings, big gatherings this afternoon, uh, man, where people are losing it. <laughs> Getting crazy for whatever team or whatever they may be cheering for. Uh, we're crazy for Jesus, no? Okay, and if we're not, we're getting there. Amen. Um, so welcome to the college outing. Um, it's more of an inning, but that's okay. Um, we're getting out, we're getting away, and we're going to enjoy a major amount of Christ. Um, have you enjoyed the book of Genesis? The book of, Gen- I mean, the, the, the depths, the minds, I mean, it is incredible. Uh, so many riches from the Word of God. I mean, we've been in it for three semesters now. And there's probably a lot we could still mine out of there. I mean, it's good. So uh, this afternoon um, and this evening, we're going to be in Principles of Transformation, as seen in Jacob. We're going to be in Principles of Maturity, as seen in Jacob. And we're going to be in Principles of Reigning in Life, as seen in Joseph. Uh, Right now, we've got principles of transformation and principles of maturity. The outline you should be looking at first here is principles of transformation. And and like human, yeah, get a pen. That's good. Um, Taking notes, all that good stuff. Um, I've been thoroughly impressed with Jacob. I've been thoroughly impressed with reading, looking at, and getting into Jacob's life. Jacob's life, uh, there is so much to talk about as far as our Christian experience is concerned, and especially in regards to transformation. What we have uh, in the beginning of Jacob's life is a scheming deceiver who uh, basically steals, uh, steals the family inheritance from his older brother. Probably not a guy you're going to like to have around too much. And eventually, he becomes the prince of God. How would you like to be known as the prince of God? Hey, how are you doing there? My name's Prince of God. Wouldn't that be incredible? From, I mean, the guy's name was Schemer. That was his name. Imagine it. Hey, man, I'm Schemer. Nice to meet you. Till later on in his life, I'm Israel, Prince of God. So in Jacob's life, we can see so many principles of transformation. And the first thing you have to notice in regards to Jacob is the entire context in which his experience of God begins. The context in which his experience of God begins. In Genesis 28, he's running away from his uh, murderous older brother. His older brother wants to literally murder him. Not just like hey, I got mad at you and I want to kill you, but I literally want to murder you kind of murder. He's running away from home. His mom has helped him. Hey, I'll work this thing out where you can run away from home. And Jacob has no idea he's about to be gone for two decades. He's about to be gone for two decades. That's a long time away from home. 
He's running away from his murderous older brother, and he comes to a place called Bethel. Say that, Bethel. Bethel means the house of God, house of God. And there at the house of God, Jehovah appears to him for the first time. This is Jacob's first experience of God at the house of God, at Bethel. And you know what he says? God comes and says, Jacob, I'm the God of your father Abraham, and I'm the God of your father Isaac. At that time, he wasn't Jacob's God. This was his first experience of God. He comes to him at Bethel, and he reveals himself. He reveals his house, what he's doing. He reveals God's dream to Jacob. Jacob sees the ladder that is joining heaven to earth, and he says, how awesome and terrible and dreadful is this place. Surely this is the house of God. If you want to see a a grown man wither in his own shoes, he just needs to see God Almighty and what he's doing on the earth. Jacob, God reveals himself to Jacob, and he reveals his house to Jacob, and Jacob sets up a pillar, and he pours oil on it, and he makes a vow that you'll be my God. You're you're Abraham's God. You're Isaac's God. You've appeared to me. If you'll uh, take care of me a little bit, I'm going to make you my God. And so there in the very beginning of Jacob's experience of God, the context is Bethel. The context is the house of God. And therein you can see what is in the very heart of God from the very beginning. Okay. If, um, let's just say, you know, Christian Harper here, Christian, he used to be a good football player. I mean, he doesn't play football anymore. That's why I say used to. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Or Andy. I could take Andy back there. Now, if they were to walk up and say, um, I am Christian or Andy the football player, wouldn't you think that that uh, that meant a lot? But what if they introduced themselves to you in the middle of their football stadium and said, I am so-and-so the football player? Wouldn't that kind of give you some feeling about what they're all about a little bit? Maybe you would get the idea, um, I think this guy throws a pigskin around a little bit. You you might think that. I I don't get the feeling he's a chemist. I I mean, I I think the guy likes football. I think... Actually, maybe that's what he's all about. Okay, that's not what Andy and Christian are all about. But just so you know, you get the point. Okay, now let's go to Roman numeral 1 and let's read Genesis 31, 13. Ready? Go. This is a few years later, God's coming back to Jacob, and he appears to him again. Jacob's been gone for a long time. He appears to Jacob again, and you know how he introduces himself again? I'm the God of Bethel. Jacob, wake up. Wake up. I'm the God of Bethel. Remember who I am. Remember what I'm all about. 
Remember your experience of me. He says here, I'm the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar. Where you vowed a vow to me. Remember who I am. Remember your experience of me. And what? Return. Return. Jacob had been gone a long time. Two decades. Out with Uncle Laban. Acquired himself a few wives. Acquired himself a few children. Acquired himself a whole lot of problems. And you know what? God returns to him. Jacob, remember who I am. I'm the God of Bethel. I didn't call you for, to be a successful businessman out here in Padan Aram. I called you to be for me and for my purpose. I'm the God of Bethel. Remember your experience of me and return to me. Okay, we need to be thoroughly saturated with the thought that God is doing one thing in the universe. Thoroughly saturated. You need to be thorough, we need to be thoroughly saturated with the thought that God is doing one thing in the universe. It's almost as if God, if He were to tell you, hey, my name's God and this is what I'm all about, He would say, I'm God, the God of Bethel. I'm about the house of God. This is the thing I'm doing in the universe. I'm building my holy habitation. My name's Jehovah, God of Bethel. We need to be thoroughly saturated with the thought that this is what the unique thing, this is what God's doing in the universe. Now, if you get that, you have to ask why. Why? Why is that the only thing you're doing? Why? If, uh, if, if Bethel, if the house of God is what you're all about, and that's what only everything is about, and that's like what every single thing is about, like everything, why? Read Ephesians 3.21. Let's read it. Ready? Go. Try that amen again. Amen. Okay, where does God receive glory? Where? In the church. Where does God receive glory? In the church. In the church, which we know is the house of God. You know why God, you know why everything is for Bethel? It is the place in which God receives glory. It is the place in which God is expressed. This is what all of our spiritual experience and transformation is for. It's what everything's for. Earthings about this. The house of God. All of our spiritual experience is for Bethel. And this is the first principle we see with Jacob. This is what everything is for. It is the place in which God receives glory. To Him be glory in the church. Amen. Um, just a micro-testimony here. You know what happened to me on campus when I met the brothers? I got around some men who saw what God was doing on the earth. And it inspired me. 
And it's a huge reason why I'm here today. I got around some men who saw there is one thing going on in this universe. It is Bethel. If that is what God is doing, that's what I want to be doing. It inspired me. And brothers and sisters, it's a huge reason why I'm here today. You see what God is doing on the universe? It changes you. All our spiritual experience, transformation is for God's building. Let's read Roman numeral 2. Ready, go. Okay, now say all things. All things. All things things work together for our transformation. Okay, I want you to put yourself in Jacob's shoes. Um, You're running away from old brother Esau. Why does my older brother want to kill me? Why do I have to run away from home? Why was I born second? I wanted to be first. Why does, uh, why does my father-in-law hate me? Why did he trick me? Why did he give me the wrong wife? I wanted, I wanted Rachel. He gave me Leah. Why did that have to happen? Why? How in the world did I end up with four wives? <laughs> no, well, anyway. Why are, my ki- why are my kids so troublesome? Why can't they be good boys and girls? Uh, why do I have the worst boss in the world? He's changed my wages ten different times. There's a whole lot of why. A whole lot of why. I mean, the, the guy had a pretty, uh, the guy had an interesting life to say the least, okay? The guy had an interesting life to say the least. Um, you know, there's a lot of why you can ask in the midst of human suffering. There's a lot of why you can ask. There's a lot of why you can ask. Um, Our focus amidst human suffering should not be on the why, but it should be on opening and receiving the shepherding of God. Opening and receiving the shepherding of God. If anyone... If anyone could have asked why, it's probably our brother Jacob. But mainly, he opened and received the shepherding of God. Genesis 48, God who has shepherded me all the days of my life. You know, we suffer because of a lot of things. We suffer because there's sin in the world. We suffer because sometimes we make stupid decisions. It happens. We all do them. We suffer, uh, we suffer because of a lot of things. Actually, if you breathe oxygen and have blood in your veins, you're going to suffer. That's just, I mean, real world. We don't have to ask, why do bad things happen to good people? That only happened one time. There's only been one good man. His name was Jesus. We don't have to wonder why bad things happen to good people. It only happened once in the entire history of mankind. We don't have to wonder about that. You don't have to wonder why. You don't have to wonder why. We suffer because of all kind of things. But something so good and solid and concrete that you can put in your being and stand on and rely on is as a called, chosen child of God, all things work together for your transformation. All things work together for your transformation. Let's read Romans 8, 28 through 29. Ready? Go. And we know that 
Okay. Jacob had to be pressed into certain situations into which he had no choice but to change. No choice but to open up to God and change. He had to be pressed into situations in which he had no choice but to open up to God and let God change him. And the good thing is, right, at, right here brought up in this verse, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Now, the next, two th- the next statement is a qualifying statement. For those who love God. Do you love God? Okay, a few of us do. Praise the Lord. The rest of the message will be dedicated to you. No, no. Do you love God? Okay, that's good. Are you called according to His purpose? If you love God and are called according to His purpose, I have good news for you. All things work together for your good. Okay, now, very important, what's the good? I'm not giving you a spiritualized version of the American dream. That's not what I mean. All things work together for good. What is that, Apostle Paul? That we may be conformed to the image of His Son. That we may be conformed to the image of His Son. If you are breathing oxygen and you got blood in your veins, you are going to suffer. But the good news is, if you love God and are called according to His purpose, there will be an opportunity for you to open to Him and be conformed to the image of His Son. All things work together for good, for our transformation. All things work together for our transformation. Okay, let's read Roman numeral 3. Ready? Go. Okay, in Genesis 32, I mean, did you expect that that would be the sign of the process of transformation, first of all? I mean, probably you thought it would have been a sign of the process of transformation, doing holy backflips out of bed. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean. Like, morning, it's time for morning revival. <laughs> sign I'm in the process of transformation, you know. A sign of the process of transformation, struggling with God. In Genesis 32, Jacob's coming back. God called the God of Bethel, called him back to the land of his birth. He's coming back, and lo and behold, who stands before him? Esau. And in Jacob's mind, he's finally come to get me. The bounty hunters come. My time is up. Here it comes. I've waited two decades. Here it comes. Esau is coming, and Jacob is, I mean, he's frantic. He's doing all kind of things. He's dividing his family like, okay, you guys, you guys walk first, and then and you'd be another group behind him. That way, if he kills you guys, then we can maybe devise a different plan for you guys, and then let's, let's split uh, this camp, and then let's give him a big old gift. Maybe that'll make him happy. And he's, I mean, he's crazy devising. This is the schemer. The schemer is scheming. And that night, before he meets Esau, surprise, very surprising, Scripture says he's wrestling with a man. Let's read Genesis 32, 24 through 25. Ready, go.
Okay. So Jacob's wrestling, like, I don't, where did this man come from? Doesn't say who he is. Jacob's wrestling with him. Amidst their wrestling, Jacob's hip gets touched. The most powerful part of his body gets touched, dislocated. And after this, Jacob refuses to let go of him. He clings to him, saying, I will not let go of you until you bless me. There's a little clue. Jacob, why are you asking the mysterious man to bless you? Who is that man? Who is that masked man? Um, And then uh, the mysterious man goes ahead and changes his name. What's your name, Jacob? You'll no longer be called Jacob. Your name's Israel. You wrestled with God and with men and you prevail. He changes his name. And then after that, Jacob kind of wakes up and realizes what's going on here. And he's like, I've seen the face of God and lived. He calls the place Peniel, meaning the face of God. Jacob realizes, I've been wrestling with God. Kind of mysterious. Okay, two significant points. Number one, the man never tells Jacob his name. Number two, the man mysteriously touches Jacob's hip and dislocates it. Okay, number one, there are so many times in our situations, in our lives, situations come up, and uh, there are things that we don't like, and you know what we're doing? We are wrestling. We're taking that situation by the horns. We're doing whatever we can to win, to get out from under it, to escape it, uh, to overcome it. What we don't often realize is that behind that situation is God. And actually, that situation that we're wrestling with, God is behind it purposefully. And what he wants to do in that situation that we're unknowingly wrestling with is to come in and touch the strongest part of our being. He wants to come in and change us. You better believe that Jacob, after that encounter with God, walked differently the rest of his life. Scripture actually says he walked with a limp the rest of his life. The rest of his life, after that transaction with God, he walked differently. Transformation indicates that God wants to change us. He wants to change us. He wants to come in and use any and all situations to come in and touch us and conform us to the image of His Son. So you may encounter sometimes, don't be surprised, if you're enjoying the Lord, pursuing the Lord, you may encounter sometimes, uh, you're going to watch something, and you encounter a little hesitation on the inside. You're, go, you're going to press play there. Oh, man, I love this one. <laughs> What's uh, something going on here? Feel a little, uh, little hesitation inside. Lord, what's happening? A little struggle. A little struggle. And you may, uh, you may look at the rating. Well... I mean, rating looks good. Rating, I mean, seems fine. It seems fine. This is actually, I mean, it's pretty, even kind of a safe category of things to watch. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and go for it. Ooh, ugh. 
Then, then, then comes this one. Well, I, I know brother so-and-so watched it. Oh. I know brother so-and-so watched it. That's the classic. That's the ultimate justifier. If there's, if there's one other brother that saw it, that means it's okay, right? If I can just kind of think up, man, is there one other brother and sister that saw it? Maybe we could kind of turn it into fellowship later or something. I, let me just... Uh, and then maybe you go, oh, oh yeah, there was. Brother so-and-so watched it. Let me go play. Just mm, be quiet. Play. And then as you're sitting there, you're watching, you're trying to watch it, and still there's, ugh, there's a struggle on the inside. What is that? It's God. It's God coming in to touch. Sometimes, you know, it's good to ask, Lord, are you happy with this? Lord, are you happy with what I'm listening to? Are you, are you happy with what's on my, my, uh, my iPhone rotation here? I, what if we played it in front of all the brothers and sisters right now? Ooh. Lord, are you, are, you, are you happy with this right now? It's good to ask. Lord, what about, what about what I'm listening to while I'm in the car? What about what I'm listening to on the way to campus? Sometimes you may experience a little struggle. Sometimes you may experience a little struggle. Lord, how about what I'm reading? You know, I was super touched, super, very touched. Um, you know, I, I, used to, uh, I used to play football. I used to be very much in the athletic realm. I still, I still uh, you know, I mean, I'm not downloading 24-7. Don't, you know, don't get me wrong. But I still, I mean, somewhat kind of keep in touch with what's going on. And I was just kind of. Man, just kind of, you know, going through some articles and starting reading something, and it struck me. That is gossip, what you're reading. I was struck. You know, there's so much, so many articles. Even It's in the category of sport. It's in the category of whatever. You know what it's actually about? This is what's going on in this player's life here. And sources say that... Uh, Whoever that source may be, I don't know. But sources say um, that this may happen with them, and actually they're very unhappy with their coach. Oh, and there's, oh, there's lots of trouble in the locker room. You know what I realized? I'm reading gossip. I thought I was reading about sports. Actually, I'm reading gossip. And the Lord came in and touched me. Chris, drop that, brother. Drop that. Lord, are you happy with what I'm reading? Are you happy with what I'm reading? Lord, are you happy where I'm going? Or Saturday night, are you happy with where I'm going? You know, you may have a friend. Nothing wrong with having that friend. Maybe you even want him to get saved. But uh, I don't know about you, but I had a number of friends in college where Saturday night, probably not the best thing to go over to their house. Probably not the best thing to go over to their house. Probably going to open up the fridge and there's going to be a few beverages in there. Like the whole fridge is going to be filled with beverages. A certain kind of beverage, you know what I'm saying? The Lord may come in and say, um, no. No. Not, not this time. It's not a good place for you to be. The Lord may come in and say that. I mean, he does do that. He is concerned about where we would go. 
Lord, are you, are you happy about me hanging out with my friend in this context? Are you happy about that? Um, there's a lot of other living situations that may not be so positive for us to always go to. Lord, are you happy about me being here right now in this context? A lot of questions to ask. Lord, are you happy about that joke I just told? You know, I just said it, and um, I feel some struggle. Or somebody, you know, my buddy said it, or brother so-and-so said it. And I laughed uncontrollably. I laughed. I enjoyed it. Lord, are you happy about that? There's a little struggle going on inside. This is a sign that we're in the process of transformation. It's a sign we're in the process of transformation. When that happens, the best thing to do, the best thing to do is to open. We open, we cling to the Lord. We say, Lord, uh, bless me. Or bring you, come in, Lord. Bless me with yourself. Lord Jesus, I want you. And Lord, conform me to your image. Come in and give me yourself. Lord, bless me. I cling to you. Lord, bless me. Let's read Roman numeral four. Ready, go. Transformation is not outward adjustment, but an alcoholic function of life. Okay. I'm going to finish very quickly here, and then we're going to pass it off to Trevor. Trevor's going to uh, hit us with another uh, half, 30 minutes or so of principles of maturity as seen in Jacob. Very quickly, God didn't give Jacob a list of do's and don'ts. He didn't give him a list of do's and don'ts. He did give Jacob some directives, as in go back to the land, um, as in rise up, go back to Bethel. Um, all, of God, all of Jehovah's directives are very good and healthy, and we receive them. We love the words of God. It's very interesting. When God appeared to Jacob, he didn't give him a list of do's and don'ts. He didn't outwardly adjust him. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to make you Israel. This is what you need to do and not do. Mainly what Jehovah did was appear to Jacob. Mainly what he did was appear to him. And by shining, appearing to Jacob, something got in that changed him from the inside out. It was a, there was a metabolic transformation. Transformation is not outward adjustment, as in, uh, man, uh, you know, Phil, man, that sweater with the zipper, yeah, man, don't wear that, bro. Don't you know zippers are not holy? You know, it needs to be, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you get the point. God didn't come and say, okay, Jacob, you're going to be the Israel of God. Stop wearing that. Um, don't do that. Mainly what, what Jehovah did was come in and shine and appear to Jacob. And something got in that changed him from the inside out. Transformation is a metabolic function of life. Um, do you know why flamingos are pink? You know, I mean, they must be born that way, right? Why are they pink? They eat shrimp. Do you know, do you know why flamingos are pink? Don't eat too much shrimp, you'll turn pink. Do you know why flamingos are pink? They eat shrimp. That, it makes them pink. You are what you eat. They're actually born, they're born gray. They got little gray feathers. And the more shrimp they eat, the more pink they become. 
That's metabolism. That's metabolism. You are what you eat. So guess what happens if you get in front of the face of God? You change from the inside out. You come out of that interaction with God looking like Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I've got two very basic handles for you. Very basic, real handles with you. Um, I'll just read these verses because um, we need to transition here. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord's Spirit. When we behold the Lord, we get transformed. When we behold the Lord, we get transformed. Okay, I'll give you a very basic helpful application here. The first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning is not look at your phone, but it's open up the Bible. The first thing that you do is not behold your social media status, but you behold the face of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, just, I mean, make it practical. Turn the, I mean, I mean, just do whatever you got to do. Punt the thing, turn it, (laughs) Turn it off. Give it to your buddy. Chunk it out the window, you know? I mean, you can get them for a dollar, you know what I mean? Just do whatever you got to do. Do whatever you got to do. But the first thing you do when you wake up is you behold the face of God. It's called morning revival. It's getting revived in the morning. Okay, number two, Romans 12, 1 through 2. I exhort you, therefore, brothers, through the compassions of God to do what? Present your bodies. The compassions of God, what should they uh, issue in? The the mighty compassions of God, that God became a man, suffered and died on the cross, that I could be forgiven of my sins, resurrected, became the life-giving spirit, brought himself to the center and core of my being. The compassions of God should cause me to do what? Present my body. You know what that means? Come to the meeting. That's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. The compassions of God cause me to present my body. When we come to the meeting, you know what follows? What follows is our mind is renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed how? By the renewing of your mind. So this is what happens. Even if you, I don't, man, I don't know if I even, I don't know how much I love the Lord anymore. And man, I'm just doing, I'm just doing bad. And man, I don't know, this Christian thing's real tough. Well, I'll just go to the meeting anyway. Man, I'm for sure not going to pray nothing or sing nothing or speak nothing. Then I'm just here in the meeting and man, there's all the speaking and I just kind of, you know what? God is real. God is real. You know, actually, I, I, I do have purpose in life. It's God's purpose. Man, I forgot what I was on the earth for. Man, I started thinking that it was for engineering, and that's why I got so depressed. Engineering's hard. Man, whew, it's, it's almost like I showed up to the meeting and presented my body, and my mind got renewed. Two practical things you can do, brothers and sisters. When you wake up in the morning, behold the face of God. 
easy way to do that is to get into the Word of God. Number two, present your body. Come to the meeting. If you come to the meeting, you've got a very good chance of getting your mind renewed. That chance is a lot less if you ain't in the meeting. Okay, so right now we'll transition to uh, Trevor here in Principles of Maturity as seen in Jacob. Thank you so much, Chris. So we're moving on to this outline, Principles of Maturity as Seen in Jacob. So does everybody have that? Okay, let's read the title together. Ready, go. Okay, so I hope y'all are still buckled up. We're hitting this thing 100 miles an hour, okay? Locked and loaded. So what we're going to see in this message, what God wants to do to bring us to maturity, what a mature person looks like, and how to be brought on to maturity. Okay, so can we read uh, Roman numeral one together? Ready, go. Okay, so this ties in the last portion of this portion. It's all in the context of God's eternal purpose. Are y'all here for God's eternal purpose? Me too. Well, God's eternal purpose, what he's doing, the one thing, his burning heart's desire, the purpose of the ages, the meaning of the universe and the meaning of our human life. That is why we are here, brothers and sisters. And we want to see God get what he wants. But here's the thing. God can only get what he wants if we become transformed and mature. We have to go on from transformation, this metabolic change in life, to maturity. Being filled with the life that changes us. So can we read Genesis 126a? Ready, go. Okay, this verse shows us God's purpose. God's purpose is what? To have a corporate man expressing him in God's image and that this corporate man would represent him with God's authority. Can we read Colossians 1.28? Ready, go. Let's say every man full grown in Christ. Ready, go. Every man full grown in Christ. Say full grown in Christ. Full grown in Christ. You know what somebody who's full grown in Christ looks like? You know what they do? They express God. You know what else they do? They represent God. You know, um, consider yourself. How often do you express God? In the apartment in the dorm, in the classroom, hanging out with your friends Friday, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. You know, we all um, put ourselves to the test here, and we realize, actually, we have a long way to go in this matter of expressing God and representing God. But you know what this means? It means we have a wonderful opportunity. Wonderful opportunity for the Lord Jesus Christ as the Spirit to flood so many compartments in our heart. And, you know, that's what this means. We want to be filled with God, saturated with Christ, to express God and represent God. Okay, so the next Roman, we want to see what is maturity. How do you define maturity? So let's read Roman 2. Ready, go. Maturity is to be filled with the divine life that has 
Hallelujah. Filled with the divine life that changes us. So Hebrews 6, 1a mentions this matter of maturity. So can we read that? Ready, go. Therefore, leaving the word of the beginning of Christ, let us be brought on to maturity. Okay, say that again. Let us be brought on to maturity. Ready, go. Let us be brought on to maturity. Okay. So we need to be brought on to maturity. But if we are going to be brought on to maturity... And maturity is to be filled with the divine life that changes us. Wouldn't it be very helpful to know what we are? What are we? If we're to be brought on to maturity, this matter that we're being filled with the divine life that changes us, what are we? Can we read Romans 9.23? Ready, go. In order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he had before prepared unto glory. Instruments of mercy? No. Is that what it says? No. Are we instruments? Can, somebody, can I see somebody's phone? Let me see your phone here, Chris. You know, an instrument, you know what you can do with an instrument? You can just pick it up, use it for what you need it, and you just put it right back down. And the next time you need it, you pick it up, you use it, and you put it right back down. Are we instruments of mercy? Are we instruments of God? Is this how God wants to use us, pick us up, do what he needs to do with us, and then put us right back down, and when he needs us again, he'll pick us back up and put us down? Is that what we are to God? No. That's not the divine view. Thank you, Lord, for Romans 9.23. We are vessels of mercy. Amen. Brother and sister, you look around. Wow, how wonderful is this? We're all here as vessels of mercy. God's mercy has reached us, and here we are to do what? We're here to get filled a little more. Amen. Can somebody hold up a vessel, please? I see two right down here, Troy. Excellent. Excellent, brother. You know what this is very good for? This vessel is very good for being filled with coffee. That's what you got to catch. Vessels are good for being filled. And God made you as a vessel to fill you. But not only that you would be filled but that you would overflow. Amen. What if the coffee just stayed in the cup, Troy, and it never came out? It will be missing the second half of its purpose. The content in the vessel wants to come out. You have some measure of content of God in your being, but God is your content wants to come out. So we need to be filled with him. Okay, so this brings us back to Hebrews 6, 1a. We need to be brought on. This is tremendous because you know what it doesn't say? Let us go on to maturity. It doesn't say let us go on. Brothers and sisters, go on. It doesn't say that. If it said that, that would mean it would just be you and the bros and the sisters by yourself trying to make it. But God's heart is not for us in that way. He wants to bring us on. Brothers and sisters, this is a cooperative effort between us and the process triune God and with him and all the brothers and sisters, we are cooperating together to be brought on to maturity. So can I have this chalk here, please? I hope hope we can all be impressed with this and show, show that God's heart is so much for us to reach this matter of maturity. Be brought on. Cooperative effort. Let us, the person to your left, the person to your right, the other brothers and sisters in Christ, 
We're in it together. And you know who we're with? We're with the triune God. It's a cooperative effort to be brought on to maturity. And the triune God's, his heart is burning in so much for us that we would reach the level of maturity. You know, we have our diagram here, and I hope this is getting burned into your being. And I hope that you're sharing it with so many of your friends. But okay, so often we view this in the context of, of us. Like, for example, man fell, man is a vessel, so God needed to become a man in Jesus Christ to redeem these vessels, cleanse these vessels, open these vessels, and fill these vessels. But I have a different color here, green, and we're going to trace. Um, we're going to trace the content Amen. through this process here. We'll see how much the great length that God did so that he could become in a condition to flow into you and fill you. Amen. Okay. God wants to fill us. He met us as vessels. God wants to be our content, but God, in this point in the process, dwelling in unapproachable light, if he just decided, let me just flow myself into these human vessels, that would not work. We would explode. (laughs) So the triune God went to great lengths. Great lengths. So great a length that the infinite God, dwelling in unapproachable light, became a finite man in Jesus Christ. Remember, we're tracing the content. And through the tracing of the content, we can see his heart for us. He was willing to become finite, Mm -hmm. to become a slave, grow up in a poor family, grow up in a despised region. This is the one we're talking about, the infinite God, the great lengths that he went through. Not only that, You know, despite being nine months in a virgin's womb, the triune God did that. He lived 33 and a half years. He was despised. He was rejected. He was persecuted. All so that he could become in a condition to flow himself into you. Went to the cross. Accomplished judicial redemption. But the cross through death and resurrection. That was just a procedure for him to become a state, the life-giving spirit, so he can flow himself into you. Great links, brothers and sisters. Six hours on the cross. Three hours taking, uh, so three days taking a tour of Hades. The content resurrected. It was impossible for the content to be held down by death. The content resurrected. And in resurrection, the content became the life-giving spirit. Amen. And the content became enthroned. But the content didn't stay there. Amen. The content flowed himself into our spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, great lengths. Do you think the Lord Jesus, his heart is not for us? Look what he did so that he could become the life-giving spirit now able to enter in into human vessels. And we have this content. And this content wants to bring us on to maturity with all the other brothers and sisters. Praise Him. Okay. But here's the thing. You know, these vessels that God wants to occupy and fill, 
You know, God's will is to fill. Right. Let's say that. God's will is to fill. Ready, go. God's will is to fill. God's will is to fill. Amen. Here's the thing. The vessels that he is trying to fill, they have their own will. They have their own preferences. <laughs> they have their own opinions. <laughs> they have the way that they like to do things. So God, he has to exercise some sovereignty. So that brings us to Roman numeral three. So can we read that together? Ready, go. Nothing is accidental. Amen. All things, right, Chris? Amen, all things. All, nothing is accidental. Amen. So we have this portion in Genesis 37. Uh, let me give you a quick background, and then we'll dive into what's going on here. At this point, Jacob is substantially transformed, but he's not mature. So the Lord needs to take him through this process of maturity. Amen. And so the background here, uh, Genesis 37, you know, a year earlier from the portion of these verses that we're about to read, Jacob lost the love of his life. Yeah, right. Rachel, right. his natural choice. Yeah. You know when he saw her, he ran to her, kissed her, and started crying. Yeah. And then he served many years yeah. to get her. That's right. He loved this woman. Yeah, right. And a year earlier, from the verses that we're about to read, she died. Yeah. She passed away in childbirth. Yeah. And Jacob was cut deeply by this matter. We're talking about all things. Nothing is accidental. Okay, well, a year later from Rachel dying, here we come to this portion in Genesis 37. You know, all Jacob had left after Rachel died, he had Joseph. Joseph was the treasure of his heart. You know, the Lord had done a lot in Jacob, but if you peeled him open, you know what you would see? You would see Joseph in there. And the brothers saw it too. Joseph's brothers saw it too. And that's what caused them to be jealous of Joseph. Yeah. They didn't get a coat of many colors. Right. Joseph got the coat of many colors. Yeah. He was the treasure of Jacob's heart. Yeah. But that compartment that Joseph was filling in, in Jacob's heart, God wanted that part. Amen. What is he going to have to do? This vessel has a preference. But I've chosen this vessel to be filled, to express me, to represent me. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to exercise some of my sovereignty to arrange the situation, Whoa. to get into that part. Amen. Okay, so, of course, Joseph's brothers are jealous, conspire. You know, they want to kill him, but they throw him in a pit. They sell him into slavery. And then this brings us to Genesis 37, 31 through 35. So how about let's alternate brothers and sisters, uh, brothers starting there, the first verse, and we'll just alternate all the way through. Ready, go.
So the brothers put their heads together, okay, after they've sold Joseph into slavery. They take his coat, dip it in blood, present it to their father. Jacob, right now, he puts two and two together. Joseph, my son, he must be dead. But here's the thing. They never found the body. All Jacob had was just a bloody coat. So you know what this did? This cut him deeply, but there was never closure concerning the loss of his son Joseph. And this just was in his mind constantly, constantly, constantly. And every time he thought about Joseph, who is the treasure of his heart, you know what that caused? uh, You know what that caused? It caused Jacob to thrust his being open to the dispensing triune God. You know, our environments, the Lord arranged them in such a way that they would serve as can openers to our being. The Lord had to raise up this environment. He wanted that part in Jacob's heart, that part that Joseph was currently occupying. He had to raise up this environment to be a can opener to that part in in Jacob's heart. And through Jacob's, uh, this matter of him not having closure about the loss of Joseph, Every time he would think about it, his being would be thrusted open. And he had thousands upon thousands of transactions with God. And through his opening, God was there, drop by drop, dispensing his life. Drop by drop, dispensing his life. This was 20 years of this. Can you imagine? 20 years at least, thrusting your being open, drop by drop by drop. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. You know, um, please don't forget, brothers and sisters, God's heart is for us. It's for us. God's will is to fill. You know, in spring 2007, I walked on the football team in 2006. Spring 2007, you know, when you get done with spring practice, you have your meetings with your position coaches. And, you know, it had... uh, it had been dawning on me that, you know, I came in and I walked on, and you realize how good these guys are. And you realize the level that they play at and the pressure that they play under and that millions upon millions of dollars are circulating based on the performance of teenagers. Okay, well, it comes uh, to our meeting. After spring practice, I'm meeting with Greg Davis, the offensive coordinator and the position coach, and I go in. And he pretty much tells me, um, in a nutshell, you're not as good as an athlete as the other quarterbacks and pretty much don't think of ever playing. Of course, I came on the team to play, man. (laughs) That's what I wanted to do. But, you know, going through it, fall practice, the games and stuff, realizing, man, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Spring practice, you don't get the reps that you think you might. End of spring practice meetings, coach tells you, you're not the athlete uh, that the other quarterbacks are. What are you going to do? All things, bro. All things. All things. Well, you know what happened that fall 2007? God's heart is good for us. Amen. And God's will is to fill. Amen. Fall 2007, the Lord Jesus changed my life. Amen. Brother, if, if, I don't know what, what would happen to me if, if I had had my desire. Um, to play, you know, actually play and not just be a part of the team. The Lord came in and changed my life. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sovereign arrangement. How about another instance? Fall 2008. Okay. You know, this was a big year for us. Going into the end of the season, we're ranked either number one or number two, bro. And it's time to travel to Lubbock and play the Red Raiders. And um, the way it works is, you know, you have about 100-plus guys on the team, but there's only about 50 or 60 or so that make the travel squad. And that is an honor, especially if you were a walk-on. That means they show you in high regard, regard and really... Um, you're one of the guys if you make the travel squad. And I'd been traveling all the away games up to that point. Traveling, traveling, traveling. And I had a great week of practice. So it comes Thursday. Now I'm ready to, you know, get the info, the lowdown about when are we getting on the bus to go to the airport, to fly to Red Raiders, beat them down, and go to the national championship. We're undefeated at this point. Well, the news that I get, brothers and sisters, I'm not traveling that week. That was like, oh, it's a big game, big game. And, of course, we didn't end up winning, which I was more just, but you know what happened, brothers and sisters? We ended up going to the Fiesta Bowl, and um, I have a little uh, journal recording that I would like to read you guys from the Fiesta Bowl. And I would like John and Chris just to stand up here with me as I read this. You know, I'm not a big journaler, so if it's in here, it's important. And it impacted me significantly. The reason I'm having these brothers stand up here is because uh, I actually make mention of them in this journal entry. Okay, so this is a journal entry on the Fiesta Bowl. Okay, we had to remain faithful to God with our prayer time that interceded for the team. So we had established a Thursday night prayer time among the brothers on the team. This was Thursday night, and that next morning was the FCA breakfast, Fellowship of Christian Athletes breakfast. We started praying, and it was me, Sam Walker, my brother, John Gold, Chris Hall, David Snow, and Alex Spears. Cole McCoy and Jordan Shipley walked in a couple of minutes later. We were praying for the salvation of our teammates and that God would be glorified in this bowl game. Also, we wanted to lift up the FCA breakfast and that God would be revealed to both teams. Terrell Pryor, he was the starting quarterback for the team who we were playing, he ended up accepting Christ and at the game, he had Philippians 4.13 written on his eye black. Chris and Colt spoke for us, and we lifted them up in prayer, and they did good. But in our prayer time, I didn't know Sam Acho and Martin walked in, but when they started praying, I was so happy and praised God that they showed up Amen. and that the guys cared enough to take time out and pray. I was so encouraged and thankful for that. Amen. Next paragraph. The Lord produced a miracle in that game. That's the only way we won. After Quan's touchdown, Chris Hall came over and said, Trev. I don't know what else yet. That's all I have written down. Just Trev. <laughs> I was just so excited. I didn't write the rest, man. Chris Hall came over and said, Trev. And we were just praising the Lord. And he gave me a hug. And he started tearing up. And other guys came over. And we were just thanking the Lord with all of our hearts. Amen. Colt, Roy, and Quan gave a shout to the king after the game. It was just a miracle how it happened. Thank the Lord. And with Chris, he said, it was like we were in the heavens. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right, y'all can sit down, brother. Thanks. Amen. I'm going to sum up everything I just read in one word. Right. Filling. Amen. Filling. Amen. God's will is to fill. Amen. Didn't travel to Texas Tech. We lost that game. 
We went to Fiesta Bowl, and we got filled. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Wow, my time. Oh, man, okay. That's good enough. I got a couple more examples, but that's good. That's really good. Okay. <clears throat> you know, people who are mature in the divine life, they're filled with the life that has changed with them, and they have certain characteristics. So that brings us to Roman numeral four. So can we read that, please? Ready, go. Okay, read A there. Ready, go. Soul and spirit divided. Okay, so we can see this in Jacob. A manifestation of a mature person is that their soul and spirit are divided. Okay, can we read Genesis 45 there? Ready, go. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart grew numb, for he did not believe them. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. So Jacob's heart grew numb, but the spirit of Jacob, his spirit was revived. Amen. This is the division of soul and spirit. Okay, this is very striking. You know, the ones that conspired against Joseph, sold Joseph into slavery, deceived their father with the bloody coat. Here they are returning with the news decades later that Joseph is alive. And here's Jacob, his response. In his being, his heart is numb, but his spirit is revived. Amen. And you know what? Because there was a division of his soul from his spirit, there was no blame. Wow. Brothers and sisters, blame is in the soul. No blame is in the spirit. So can we read Hebrews 4.12? Ready, go. For the word of God is living and operative and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So this verse shows on the one hand our soul and our spirit can be divided, but it also gives us a practical help on how to be brought on into this process of maturity, which is having our soul and spirit divided, which that comes from the living and operative Word of God. Amen. So again, I'm going to put another plug here, Chris Hall, for the morning time, Amen. that we would take in the living and operative Word of God wow. so that that living and operative Word would have the most time throughout the day to operate within us to divide our soul from our spirit. Amen. Okay, we have uh, another characteristic there, manifestation uh, on point B. Can we read that? Ready, go. Prophesying with blessing. Okay, Genesis 49, 28. Ready, go. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, each one according to his blessing. Okay, so this is a verse toward the ends of, of Jacob's prophesying with blessing. And you know, this matter of Jacob prophesying with blessing, blessing people all the time, this was the strongest sign of his maturity. You know, you're speaking. You can tell a lot from a person. You can tell a lot from a person where they're at and how mature they are by their speaking. Very indicative. Okay. Can you read 1 Corinthians 14.3 there? Ready, go. But he who prophesies seeks building up and encouragement Consolation to you know, this matter of prophesying, it's just not something of the Old Testament, not something with Jacob. We can be brought into this practice 
Today, brothers and sisters, he who prophesies, you know what they speak? Building up encouragement and consolation to men. So when we mention prophesying, we're talking about, um, you know, there's an aspect of foretelling the future, but we're talking about speaking for God and speaking forth God into people. And when we're talking about prophesying with blessing, we're talking about in the overflow of God, which that's blessing, in the overflow of God to others, we are speaking that overflow into people. So, you know, how about this? What if you read 1 Corinthians 14.3 like this? But he who prophesies speaks Christ and Christ and Christ to men. (laughs) That's what I want, brother. You know, when you infuse somebody with Christ, he's the one building them up. When you infuse somebody with Christ, he's the one encouraging them. When you infuse somebody with Christ, he's the one consoling them. Christ, Christ, Christ. And we can do it, brothers and sisters, because 1 Peter 4.10, it says each one. Circle that each one. If you're in each one, raise your hand. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Each one as he has received a gift, ministering it among yourselves as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Look to your left. Look to your right, front and back. You're surrounded by ministers. Aren't you glad to be a minister? You know what ministers do? They serve people Christ. In their overflow and enjoyment of Christ, They're ministering Christ into them as the rich life supply. Every one of us in here are ministers, and we can do this, brothers and sisters. Not only is this a characteristic of a mature person, but we can do it right now. In this practice of prophesying with blessing, it can help facilitate the growth in life so we can be brought on to maturity. Okay, so this is, uh, wow, this is wonderful here, this last point. I'm going to hit it real quick. Okay, you can see here Jacob's progress in speaking. And you can trace Jacob's progress in his speaking. And in this tracing, you can see his progress in his growth in the divine life. The two are tied. Our speaking is just a manifestation of what the Lord is doing within. So the first verse there, Genesis 25, 31. Can we read that? Ready, go. And Jacob said, first, sell me your This is the first words of Jacob recorded in the scripture. Sell me your birthright. The very first words recorded. Schemer, conniver, deceiver, supplanter. This is what we have here revealed in his speaking. Okay. Genesis 27, 19. He's deceiving his father. Deceiving his father. Okay, let's go over to Genesis 35, 2 through 3. Um, You know what? We begin to see a change in Jacob. The Lord's doing some operating. So let's read those verses. Ready, go. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves, yes. and change your garments. And let us rise up and go up to Bethel, that I may make an altar there to the God who answered me in the day of my distress. starting to sound like a child of God. You know, there's been some progress here from first, sell me your birthright, to let us rise up and go to Bethel. There's some progress there. Okay, how about Genesis 47.10? Can we read that? Ready, go. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went forth from Pharaoh's presence. And 48.15-16, ready, go. And he 
yes. And my name be named on them. In the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they be a teeming multitude in the midst of the earth. Blessing. Blessing all the time. Everywhere he went and whoever he encountered, blessing. This is our brother transformed and mature, filled with the divine life that has changed him, overflowing to others and blessing them. This is what we have, and this is what the content within us wants to do, to be brought on. Brothers and sisters, we're here for God's eternal purpose. He would gain his expression. He would gain his representation, and he gets it through people that are transformed and mature. Do y'all want this? Yes. I want it. Amen. I want to go with all y'all right. and be brought on to maturity. Amen. You know what we need to do? We know God's will is to fill, yeah. so we give ourselves to the filling. Amen. Give ourselves to the filling. Amen. And every situation opens. When the can opener comes, the can opener of life, you don't know what's going on. Open. Open. Talk to the Lord. And let him fill you drop by drop by drop. God's heart is for us. He's with us to bring us on to maturity. You know what? We will be the built up body of Christ. The entity that expresses God and represents God. The body of Christ. The fullness of the one who fills all in all. Brothers and sisters, God's will is to fill. Praise him. So this is the principles of maturity, transformation and maturity as seen in Jacob. Right. So, uh, brothers, what are we going to do here? Um, a little time? Yes. Let's let, let's let the ministers minister. How about, how about we just have a quick 30 seconds of prayer with our